Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today we are going to be breaking down the bowl games for Monday and Tuesday. That's December 26th and December 27th. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. A lot of great sports on. Also, great day just to spend time with family. Just relax, sit around, maybe have sports on in the background, which is what my family did. Um, hope everybody enjoyed their day for that. But now it's time to get back to business. So, We've got a one-game slate to, er, on Monday and then a four-game slate on Tuesday. The, honestly, it's a pretty decent four-game slate of college football, if I must say so myself. Now, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, you know what? I want to see what this guy's full picks, full lineups look like. Head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. We'll be putting all of the official picks up on there for college football, college basketball, and more. So make sure you uh, get on that while you can. And then also, if you want some stats and facts that I don't always get to during the episode, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm also more than happy to answer any and all lineup or start sit questions. All right, so... Here's how this episode is going to go. We are going to break down the Monday bowl game. That is the quick lane bowl. And then we are going to do a full breakdown of the Tuesday bowl game. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So the quick lane bowl is the bowl game that is being played on Monday, December 26th. And honestly, this... I don't know, it's not my favorite matchup of bowl season. I understand why ESPN set it up how they did because they don't want to detract from their own Monday Night Football broadcast. But this is just kind of an uninspiring matchup to be a standalone game. It is New Mexico State versus Bowling Green. Bowling Green is three-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is 48-and-a-half. So this is pretty much a showdown slate for college football. Like This is not a part of the full Tuesday slate. This is a standalone game, and DraftKings and FanDuel are offering a showdown contest for it. So I'm going to kind of break it down with that in mind. So Bowling Green's quarterback, Matt McDonald, is the highest-priced option on both slates on FanDuel and DraftKings, and he will be the highest-owned player. He will be the highest-owned captain. Um, he is very boomer bust, though. He has five games in single-digit fantasy points. But this game, a game they're favored to win against New Mexico State, a team that's not super great defensively, I could kind of see Matt McDonald ending up as the highest scoring player on the slate. But like I said, if you want to put him as your captain, he's going to come with that high ownership. So I think that the play might be to put him in your lineup but not as the captain spot. And with with that being said, Boise or Bowling Green, I almost called him Boise, Bowling Green is not a running team. The two running backs, Patterson and Keith, split time. Keith is more of a pass-catching back than Patterson, but I'm just not a fan of either of those two in my lineups right now. And if you're looking to capitalize on the McDonald points but not put him at captain, the move might be to put one of the top two receivers at your captain spot. That is Odiu Hilaire and Tyrone Broden. Broden is really coming on strong as of late, and both of those guys are very solid producers. I think if you're Put it, making a lineup where you're stacking Bowling Green. you got to have both of those guys in it, in my opinion. Now, the other two receivers that are going to be seeing the field are Christian Sims and Harold Fannin. Like, they will be on the field. They will get targeted. Uh, if you go below that in terms of Bowling Green receivers, you are definitely risking a goose egg. So I don't think I would go below Sims or Fannin. But like I said, if you need to save costs, those two guys would be two guys that I would go with. Now... 
looking at the other side with New Mexico State, they are much more of a running team. Their quarterback, Diego Pavia, has a lot of upside. He has back-to-back games over 40 fantasy points, but those games are against fairly weak competition, fairly weak defenses. Bowling Green is not that weak of a defense. Now, in running back, Star Thomas and Jamani Jones split carries. I would give the edge to Star Thomas. I think that if you're looking to capitalize on low ownership, I think Jamani Jones might be a guy that you can do that with. Now at the receiver position, Cordell David has missed a lot of time this season, but he is the number one wide receiver. However, Jonathan Brady has been their most consistent wide receiver option all season, whether or not David has been hurt. Um, no matter who they've been playing, Jonathan Brady has been their most consistent option. So those are just kind of the names I would be considering for this showdown slate. Like I said, this is kind of an ugly matchup. So if you need to cut cost in this one, like if you need to save salary, I think that Playing one or two of the kickers might actually be a very solid option for this build because what I think that would do, because both these teams, they're so concentrated at the top, like they don't go way down on the depth chart to find receivers and running backs. I think you can get some of those top options and maybe play somebody like Christian Sims or Harold Fannin and then one or two of the kickers, and then that would give you more than enough salary to play who you want where you want. I, I definitely think when I build, make my builds today, I'm going to be at least putting one kicker in there because I think they're going to save cost and I think they're going to score more points than the wide receivers and running backs that are down further down on the salary. All right, so that does it for the quick lane bowl. So let's go ahead and let's do a brief, brief preview of the Tuesday bowl games. Just a quick rundown of what they are, who's playing, what the games are going to look like, and then we'll break it down position by position. So there are four bowls going on on Tuesday. The first one is the Camellia Bowl, which is Georgia, Georgia Southern at Buffalo. Georgia Southern is four and a half point favorites, and the over-under in this one is 67 points, which is the highest of the day. Now, I'm calling this the Kyle Van Treese Bowl because Kyle Van Treese is currently Georgia Southern's quarterback, but he was Buffalo's quarterback for three seasons. So this is definitely an interesting spot for him because he has a chance to, you know, get a little bit of revenge if he wants it on his former team, the former program. Um, but this is definitely one game that you can stack today. I'm going to talk about some options later, but this is the highest projected total on the day, Georgia Southern versus Buffalo. Now, the second bowl game of the day is the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. That is Memphis versus Utah State. This is one of the bigger point spreads of bowl season as Memphis is 7.5 point favorites and the over-under is 60.5 points. So Memphis is, is projected to be one of the higher scoring points on the day thanks to that spread and that total. Now, the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl is Coast Carolina versus ECU. Yeah, two schools that are not that far apart in North Carolina and South Carolina get to go to Alabama to play a bowl game. Very interesting. Uh, ECU is seven-point favorites, and the over-under in this one is 64 points. Now, the big story in this one is that Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall is leaving the program after this game. He is entering the transfer portal. He has not determined where he's going to go yet, but he is playing this game and then entering the portal. And another thing that's interesting, this hasn't happened a lot all season, but all three of Coastal Carolina's primary running backs are set to play, which, like I said, is something that has not happened all season. Going to talk about them as fantasy options when we get to running backs. Now, the guaranteed rate bowl is the last game of the day. It's actually being played in the Arizona Diamondback Stadium, which I think is pretty cool. It's Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State. Wisconsin is three and a half point favorites, and the over-under is by far the lowest of the day at 43 points. Both teams are not playing with their starting quarterbacks in this one. Graham Mertz for Wisconsin is already transferred to Florida. 
And for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders is hurt, but I don't know if he could have played or not. Um, so the starting quarterbacks will be Chase Wolf for Wisconsin, and it's currently unknown for Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to go with um, Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel, neither of whom have looked very effective in the opportunities that they've gotten to start so far this season. All right, so that was the brief breakdown. Now we're going to go position by position, talk about who I like, who I don't like, who I'm going to be getting into my lineups for this Tuesday slate. We're going to start off with quarterbacks, but first let's take a quick breather. So looking at the quarterback position, there are actually a lot of good options at the quarterback position on this Tuesday slate, in my opinion. My number one quarterback for this slate will be Holton Awers of ECU. Gosh, it feels like he's been there forever. In my opinion, he is an elite cash game option. He has over 20 fantasy points nine times this season, but he also presents as a GPP option as well because Coastal Carolina has struggled to defend the pass in recent weeks, and ECU is a team that likes to throw the football. So he is my number one quarterback on the slate. He is a guy that I will probably be putting into um, – most of my lineups. I won't say all because I'm going to talk about another strategy here in a little bit, but he's going to be in a lot of my lineups. That's Holton Awers of ECU. Now, on the other side of Awers, if you're looking at game stack, I think this presents a very interesting opportunity. Grayson McCall has been very good when healthy. His low this season was 16 fantasy points, and in his last performance coming back from injury, he had 33.6 fantasy points against Troy, who is a much better defense than ECU. So I think Grayson McCall presents as not only a standalone option, but a game stacking option as well if you think that this ECU and Coastal Carolina game can have a lot of points scored in it. So Awards and McCall are definitely two of my top quarterback plays of the day. Now, Memphis's quarterback, Seth Hennigan, is just an average option in my opinion. I think he's a really good cash game option, but I'm not really that intrigued to play him in a GPP. He doesn't have any games in single-digit fantasy points, but he only has five games over 20 fantasy points. He just hasn't flashed the upside necessary to be that guy that's going to win you a slate in a GPP. Now, what the good news is for Memphis, though, is that Utah State has given up 30 points in the last three games, like 30 real points, not 30 fantasy points. So there will be scoring in this one. This is one of the higher totals of the day. Um, but like I said, Hennigan just hasn't really shown that upside to put him up in the conversation with Aylers and McCall. Now, I do think there are two good value play quarterbacks. Uh, first is Utah State's Cooper Legas and then Buffalo's Cole Snyder. I think that both of them are going to provide some value if you want to pay down a quarterback and pay up at wide receiver and running back. I don't think you're going to have to on this slate, but I do think that both those guys are worth mentioning. I am definitely avoiding both of the quarterbacks in the Wisconsin and the Oklahoma State offenses. Um, I just have no faith that those guys are going to be able to throw for anything. So um, I think the value plays are Legas and Snyder if you are looking to pay down. All right, let's now talk about the running back position. So at the running back position, this is the position that I want to pay up for today. There are three options that are going to stand tall well above the rest, and that is ECU's Keaton Mitchell, first off. He averages 16 carries per game and 26 fantasy points per game. That's about one over one and a half fantasy points per carry, which is kind of insane. Now, earlier this season, too, he, he's proved that he's game script proof. He's scored well in blowouts. He's scored well in close games. The one example I want to mention, though, earlier this season, his team only scored three points against Houston, and he still had 18.6 fantasy points. That's kind of ridiculous. He had 18.6 without scoring a touchdown, without his team scoring a touchdown. So Keaton Mitchell is an elite-level option at the running back position. Now, I don't necessarily think it's the best idea in the world to stack Ehlers 
and Mitchell together. Now, they they have a little bit of correlation, but not as much as you would like to see if you were specifically planning on stacking them. So what I think I'm going to do is in a lineup that I don't play Ehlers, maybe I go McCall and somebody else as my quarterbacks, I'm definitely going to put Keaton Mitchell in there at running back because if you're fading Ehlers, Mitchell is going to have a lot of points. If you're fading Mitchell, Ehlers may or may not have a lot of points, and Mitchell still may have a lot of points. So I think that if you're looking at this ECU offense, stacking the two of them is an option. I would prefer to play one or the other, though, and I'm probably going to play one or the other in every single lineup that I make because this ECU offense is pretty good, and they are the highest team total of the day. Now, second option that stands above the rest is Wisconsin's Braylon Allen. So he got banged up later on in the season. He was not as effective late in the season as he was early in the season. Well, guess what, though? He's got a month to rest and get better for this game. I would say from everything I've seen, he is probable for this game. I don't think it's a lock that he does play, but I don't think that anyone out there is expecting him to play or to expecting him to sit, excuse me. Now, he was very effective at the start of the season. Like I said, he started the season off with seven out of eight games over 20 fantasy points, and I think that he can get back to that this week. Oklahoma State is not a good run defense. We've seen Oklahoma's Eric Gray have a good game against him. We saw B. John Robinson of Texas have a great game against Oklahoma State. They're not a great run defense, and so I think Braylon Allen can definitely take advantage of that. Now, if Allen does not play for any reason, Chesma Lucy, in my opinion, becomes the top running back value on the board. If Because Wisconsin, we know they're going to run the football. They're playing a backup quarterback. It's what they do anyway. And so Malusi is going to be a guy that could have an outstanding game if Braylon Allen is hurt. If Braylon Allen plays, I have no interest in Malusi, though. Now, the third running back that I think stands above the rest is Calvin Tower Jr. of Utah State. He's flashed a lot of upside this year. He has two games over 30 fantasy points. And you know the workload's going to be there because he averages about 20 carries per game. Utah State is not expected to win this game against Memphis, but that's okay. They've shown that they'll run him in any kind of game flow. And like I said, that average of about 20 carries per game, you know this guy is going to get a lot of work. So after those three, these are the guys that are kind of options if you want to pay down at running back. Memphis's Asa Martin has double-digit points in six straight starts. And what's interesting is he only has double-digit carries in two of those six games. He's used a little bit of as, as a pass catcher. Um, he kind of has a knack for finding the end zone as well. And one good thing about this one, this is a guy that to me has a lot of upside because Utah State gives up 198 rushing yards per game. So if you're if you like me, you're not a fan of playing Seth Hennigan. Playing Asa Martin is probably definitely an option for you. Now, I mentioned earlier about the three Coastal Carolina running backs. They are Reese White, C.J. Beasley, and Braden Bennett. They're all three active for this game, and this is a true committee situation. I would give the edge to Reese White, but I just don't – I I don't know, y'all. It's really hard to get behind playing any of them when the last time any of these guys – got double-digit carries, was against Southern Miss in early November. So I just think that this is a committee where, yeah, one of them might break a long touchdown. Yeah, Coastal's rushing offense might have success against ECU, but I just don't think I'm willing to bet my own money on either one of the three of them getting enough work to be a consistent fantasy option. So if you're playing GPPs, absolutely throw them in there because they're high risk, high reward, right? But I just, I don't think I can get behind playing any of them. And I think there's other options at more at affordable price tags that you can play to avoid that situation. 
And the first of which is going to be Georgia Southern's Jalen White. He's definitely an option at his price tag. Georgia Southern likes to run the football. They're not going to let Kyle Van Treese throw it 50 times a game. So I think that this is definitely an option. And, you know, he's about the same price as those coastal running backs anyway. Now for Buffalo, if Ron Cook Jr. for some reason does not play, Mike Washington becomes a very appealing option. Mike Washington's been a great pass-catching running back, and he's been from 9 to 14 fantasy points in his last four games. So if we're able to get some news on that Ron Cook Jr. injury, I really, really do like Mike Washington as a pay-down option. Now the last guy that I do want to mention is Jaden Nixon. He will get the start for Oklahoma State, but he hasn't really done a whole lot with that opportunity. He kind of took over with about four games to go for, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, Richardson, Dominic Richardson of Oklahoma State. But Nixon has not really been that efficient, and Wisconsin is a tough run defense. So, you know, like I said, he's going to get the start. He's going to get carries, but I just, it's hard to get behind playing him when I think there are better options at a lesser salary. All right, so that does it for the quarterback and the running back positions. So we're going to now switch on over and talk about wide receivers. We're going to break it down how we always do, price tag, and then by team. So let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk wide receivers. Just a reminder, as always, when we talk wide receivers, I'm always going to be a proponent of stacking. If you want to win GPP tournaments on FanDuel and DraftKings, you're going to have to stack your wide receivers with your quarterback because that means that if one of them goes off, it's likely that they're all going to go off. And then not only that, you have to get it right with which receivers you stack. So most of this segment is going to be kind of focusing on, like I said earlier, team by team, which receivers do you stack with? So to me, the top two options on the board, standalone or stacking, is Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson, and they both play for ECU. They're the only teammates on the slate that have over 60 catches each, and Holt Naylor's target share is like super concentrated to these two guys. They're very easy to stack with Aylers. Now, granted, they're not cheap, so you're going to have to find some salary relief somewhere else, but they're very correlated with Aylers. They're very good stacking options. Now, the other two receivers that are going to see snaps for ECU are Ryan Jones and Jaywin Johnson. They will see the field, but they're not regularly involved in the offense as much as Winstead or CJ Johnson. So if you were kind of looking to get quirky, you can go Aylers and then one of Winstead or Johnson, and then one of Ryan Jones or Jaywin Johnson. And that would be kind of a quirky, unique build that I think could have some success. But like I said, you would have to be really getting those two right. Like you would have to get Winstead or Johnson right. You would have to get Ryan Jones or Jaywin Johnson right for that to be an effective build. But I do think it's worth mentioning as an option. Now, on the other side of that game, first Coastal Carolina, it's another team that has very concentrated target shares. It's between Sam Pinckney and Jared Brown. Very easy to determine like for the Coastal receivers. I'm not even mentioning any of the other Coastal receivers. And what's good about Pinckney and Brown is both have been much more productive in games where Grayson McCall starts. And guess what? Grayson McCall's starting this one. So I think that Pinckney and Brown definitely present themselves as options. If you are game stacking with that ECU and Coastal Carolina game, then I think you can go with, um, I don't think you can fit all four of the big receivers in there, Winstead, CJ Johnson, Pinckney, and Brown. But I do think that you can fit two receivers with your quarterback and one without your quarterback um, if you are game stacking this game. Now for Oklahoma State, Braden Johnson has become kind of a target machine. He's seen 12 targets in back-to-back weeks, and that is with the backup quarterbacks. Now, Brandon Presley has seen less targets, but been about equally as productive as Braden Johnson. And 
kind of when the backup quarterbacks started playing for Oklahoma State, the other receivers kind of started getting phased out. Everything started to be funneled to Johnson and Presley. John Paul Richardson will still be the starting slot for Oklahoma State, but like I said, a majority of the targets go to Johnson and Presley. Um, this is also just a passing offense with the low game total in this one, with it being either Wrangle or Gundy who haven't looked good in their starts. This is a passing offense that if you want to just totally avoid, you can, but I do think it's worth mentioning that Johnson and Presley have been productive with the backup quarterbacks. On the other side of this game for Wisconsin, they really only play two wideouts a majority of the time. Chamir Deke is the target machine, and Skylar Bell is the other starting wide receiver. Both of these guys have flashed upside with performances over 25 points this season. But I think, you know, with this game being as low of a total as it is, I think you can just avoid that situation altogether if you want to. Now, for Utah State, Brian Cobbs has been very consistent all year. He's a great cash game option at wide receiver. And they also play two other guys like these guys pretty much are on the field the whole game. Terrell Vaughn is a little more volatile. He is boom or bust. And then Justin McGriff is just kind of another option. He's the other starter. He's more of a possession receiver, but he's not quite as productive as Brian Cobbs. So Brian Cobbs would definitely be the guy that I would prefer to play in that Utah State offense. Now for Memphis, their leading receiver is actually their tight end, Caden Prescorn. He shows up on DraftKings as a wide receiver, though, which kind of bugs me about DraftKings, like, you know, you can determine whether or not the guy's a wide receiver or a tight end. But anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time and place. So Caden Prescorn is their number one option, and they also throw to the running back Asa Martin quite a bit. So there's not really a whole lot of consistent game-in, game-out production out of their wide receivers, but they do have one who's come on strong as of late, and that is Javon Ivory. Two out of his last three games are over 15 fantasy points. And then the other two receivers that are going to be out there on the field with Prescorn and Ivory are Eddie Lewis and Gabriel Rogers. but I would regard them as game-stacking options only. There's just nothing consistent to bank on if you are looking to play either of those two guys. Now for Buffalo, I actually really like the Buffalo wide receivers here. They're Justin Marshall and Quian Williams. They're two of the better options in their price range. When you look at the board on DraftKings, when you get to about below $6,000, you're looking at a lot of number two and three wide receivers who don't have a whole lot of consistent production. Well, guess what? For Buffalo, their number one and number two wide receivers are in that range, and they are scoring fantasy points consistently. They have very concentrated target shares. Now, Buffalo does throw to the running back Mike Washington a lot, so they don't have a whole lot of other production at wide receiver, which just means better news for Justin Marshall and Quine Williams. I think they're both very strong options on this slate. Buffalo is also, you know, kind of predicted to lose this game, which means they're going to have to be throwing. They're going to have to try to keep up with that Georgia Southern offense. And so Justin Marshall and Quine Williams are two guys that I think could potentially be in line for big days. Between the two of them, I would probably prefer Marshall. He's a little more consistent. Now, the last team that I do want to talk about is Georgia Southern. And I hope you've gotten this far in the podcast because they have the value plays at the wide receiver position. Their former number one wide receiver, Derwin Burgess, is out for the season, which has opened up opportunities for three guys specifically. Caleb Hood is their starting slot. He's been kind of the leader in targets since Burgess went out for the season. Marcus Sanders Jr. has also seen his value go up. He's kind of been the beneficiary of some of those targets. But in my opinion, the best wide receiver play of the day is Jeremy Singleton. He is at $3,000 on DraftKings. That is the minimum price. And he has over 15 fantasy points in five of his last seven games. Now, what you're going to have to factor in is the fact that, yes, he's minimum priced. And I think that 
people who do their research are going to dig down and find him. Like he's going to come in as highly owned because simply put, he shouldn't be $3,000. You know, when you're looking at $3,000, it's mostly guys who are walk-ons or guys who are package players, like backups. Like you're, you're not getting a guy who's got his production at $3,000. So I think that a lot of people are going to find him and he will be highly owned, but you know, if it allows you to put in some of the other bigger name, bigger price guys into your lineup, and if he plays well anyway, then, you know, I'm willing to eat that ownership in that spot. Like $3,000, that's going to give you a lot of flexibility at the other spots if you do, in fact, put him in your lineup. Again, that is Jeremy Singleton of Georgia Southern. And I do think he is the best play of the day on paper. But like I said, he's going to come in with that ownership. So you're going to have to find a way to be different. And you're going to have to make the right use of the salary that that will save you. All right. So that does it for the wide receiver position. And that does it for our breakdown of the Tuesday, December 27th bowl games. Should be a good day of college football being on TV all day long, which is Kind of nice. Now, there's also going to be a college basketball slate that DraftKings has out for Tuesday night. If you want my picks for that, I will not be doing a podcast episode for it. But if you want my picks for that, you head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, if you are interested in more stats and facts that I don't always get to during the episodes or have any lineup or start sit questions, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. So... Hopefully, I gave you guys some names that you can get into or out of your DFS lineups for Tuesday. Good luck in all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time. Mm -hmm.